Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, everyone. So I have a cautionary tale for you today. It was a dark and stormy night. Okay, no, it's just been stormy for the last week, it feels like. So, um, no, my, my story today is about a cell phone. And it all started just before Christmas last year. And I told my husband that I needed a new cell phone. So maybe I didn't actually tell him I needed a new cell phone, but I lamented frequently about how horrible my old phone was in front of him, you know, how, how old it was, how poor the camera was, and how abysmal the storage was. And so my husband is really good at picking up on my subtlety, and he got me a phone. And I was so excited, and when my husband gave it to me, he mentioned casually, you might want to get a case for it. They're not too much money on Amazon. And I feel like that phrase should just eerily echo in the background right now. Um, Because I promptly ignored him. And I went about my life and I thought, you know, I never broke my old cell phone. How, How likely is it that I'm going to break this one? And then one day I was down in the basement doing laundry. My phone fell on the concrete floor and sure enough, it cracked. And I had to like go to my husband and say, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't listen, I broke the phone. And you know what though, then I had two thoughts. So my first helpful thought was that, you know, maybe now that the phone is cracked, maybe I should, in fact, get that case for it. But then I had a second unhelpful thought that canceled out the first thought, which was that, well, now that my phone is already broken, I should probably just wait until I get it fixed to get a case, right? Because it's just a little crack. It's not a big deal. I'll fix the phone. I'll get the case. We'll be fine. You know where this is headed. So a few weeks ago, I dropped the phone again, you know, just on the stairs. It fell out of my pocket. And I think because it was already weakened, the crack had already started, the thing just fell and like splintered into all these different cracks. And it was horrible. And I could still use it, but it was definitely to the point where I was like, now I actually have to fix it, which was very expensive. Uh, although shout out to Maria Searles, who got me, got me a good recommendation for a place. Um, and I did learn my lesson finally. So right after the service today, I'm going to go get a cell phone case. I promise. No, I'm joking. I already got one. I... <laughs> Um, But you know what? I I realized the one good thing that came out of this story was that I got an analogy for my message today. Um, Because I really feel like our lives can be a lot like that cell phone. Our hearts can be a lot like that cell phone. And sometimes there are little cracks, little things in our lives, little broken places that we think, it's not a big deal. I probably don't need to worry too much about that. Um, it's It's not something that I need to address. Maybe it's a little sin or something we wouldn't even consider a sin, you know? Um, And so we tend to just ignore those things or let them go. And I'm realizing in my life how often those little cracks are likely to grow and become a bigger deal if I don't address them. And so I want to talk today specifically about one area, one of those little cracks that we might experience, and that is resentment. Because, you know, I thought resentment is just such a fun, bubbly, summer topic. (laughs) 
But I think it's something that probably all of us, if we're honest, have experienced, have, have dealt with at some level. And so I think it's something that we need to continually address. Because, you know, I think resentment is one of those things where it sneaks up on us, right? Um, sometimes, you know, it's not like outright unforgiveness. Often with resentment, you know, someone didn't even necessarily mean to do something to us, but we just have this feeling of, of angst towards them or towards a situation maybe. Um, if we're honest, sometimes we have like maybe resentment towards God or about something that's happening in our lives um, sometimes we have resentment because of something we did, right? Like we say yes to things when we know we should say no, and then we're resentful when we actually have to do it. Or the person, you know, we look at someone else who's like got a free Saturday afternoon, and we're like, why did I say yes to babysitting my niece? Whatever. Um, so we can have these little places of resentment that grow, and they can sneak up on us. Um, for me, I think one of the biggest places in my life where I see resentment is in unmet expectations. I don't know if that's anybody else. Um, sometimes I don't even realize, I thank you, that I have an expectation. I don't always realize I have it until it doesn't happen. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, that was a big deal to me. And then I'm like sitting and I'm stewing. Um, and other times resentment happens in layers. You know, it's like... Um, you know, maybe someone that you work with frequently or someone that you live with or see often and they do the, just a little thing that bothers you and it's just that one layer. And then you see them again and something else happens and there's another little layer of resentment and it starts to grow and grow and you don't realize how, how much it's affecting your life until suddenly one day you're just like, all you can think about is that you're angry at this person um, or, or you're like thinking of all the ways that you wish you could tell them you know, that they're bothering you. And I know for me, even every once in a while, not often, but every once in a while, I have to do a confrontational email to someone. And I can always tell when I've let resentment build up, when you start to write and you're like, and another thing, and another thing, and by the way, um, and I do that in conversations too, but I, I've actually had to have my husband start screening some of my emails for me because <laughs> I've definitely gone to send one and I've been like, what do you think? Is this too much? And he'll be like, yeah, that sentence, take that out. That's, yeah. You don't need to say that. That's mean. Um, so I feel like, again, for us, resentment can start out small, and we don't always even realize that it's there. But if we ignore it, if we pretend it's not a big deal, it's like that crack in my cell phone, that eventually it's going to get worse, right? Or if we, if we feed it, then it's going to keep growing the Bible talks about how this works in our life. And he says in James 1.15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And this is an interesting metaphor, um, this idea that, that really sin starts out as something really simple. It starts out as just a desire, and then it's like it incubates, and it grows, and it becomes sin, an action of sin, and then it leads to death um, and I, I think what's important for us to remember is that the desire itself is not something we can control, right? I think sometimes we have a lot of guilt in the church about, you know, oh man, I wish I didn't have that inappropriate thought. I wish I didn't have a feeling of resentment or fear at all. And we can't always control that, right? Um, God knows that about us. But God also says, if you allow your heart to be a place that has conditions that are ripe for resentment and fear and lust and other things to grow, then those things will grow, right? So we can't control the initial desire, um, but God does ask us to 
um, to be proactive about rooting out those things in our lives so that they don't become worse. Um, and for instance, with resentment, if we were looking at this verse, resentment might start out simple and then it grows into a sin of anger, like where we're hurting other people or we're, we're um, lashing out. And then ultimately, again, that leads to death. And I think the death that James is talking, or that this passage is talking about, can be seen two different ways, right? Ultimately, um, our sin leads us to a death or separation from God, so this spiritual death. Um, and that's why God came in the first place to die for us, so that we could be with him and live with him and have that rest. Restoration. But the other part of death that this is talking about is, is seen in the brokenness of our lives, right? Because when we're following God, God is all about giving us full life. But the enemy is here to st- steal and kill and destroy. And so when we're acting on those desires that are not from God, eventually it's going to create death and brokenness in our lives. And we see that in our relationships and we see that in, in the way we um, experience the world, And that is not what God wants for us. Whenever we're following those desires, they're going to undermine grace and relationships and God's goodness. And the thing again about rela- about resentment and why it feels so subtle is, you know, it's it's just it seems so little and it's it's not very exciting. Always, often we don't even notice it's happening. Like. <clears throat> You're not going to go to the movies and, and find a lot of popular, like, minor grudge movies. That's not really a popular genre. But you know what is a popular genre? Revenge movies. How many of you have your favorite revenge movie or show? I asked this, I asked this on Facebook, and guys, you gave me a very lengthy list of revenge movies, which I think says something about our culture. Um, I actually think, I actually think the fact that we really get so into revenge movies is partly because we like to see justice, and we, we know, oh man, I'm not supposed to go around killing people, but it's kind of fun to watch somebody else who's so mad and so angry, and that they're going to like get their justice, they're going to get their revenge. Um... But I think that uh, I, was, I was looking at movies like uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, someone brought up, John Wick. Uh, I had someone say The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which then there was debate as to whether that's actually a revenge movie. Um, but my movie was Kill Bill, you know? And I was like, man, Kill Bill is an exciting movie because it's all about this, you know, she's the girl, her whole thing is that she's going to get revenge over this thing that happened to her. Because it's exciting, right? But I don't want to knock Tarantino or Uma Thurman. But if we're honest, even though those movies are exciting, do any of us want our lives to look like those main characters? Man, do we, do we ever just wake up one day and say, I wish I was so full of angst and, and anger that I had no other rational thought in my mind except to go around and get vengeance? Like, we don't want that. I don't want my life to look like that. I don't want my kid's life to look like that. Because it, revenge is exciting at some level, but really we know that it leads our, our lives to negative things. And if you don't feel like you can relate to resentment, um, I want to just give you a list, and there will be a, a slide up here for you to compare, some, uh, some synonyms of resentment. And I want you to listen to these and see if you want your life to be like this. So some synonyms are animosity, annoyance, bitterness, cynicism, Grudge, ill will, indignation, malice, and outrage. I feel like I should have had like a creepy voice when I said that. Um, But the opposite of resentment, the opposite is calm and cheer, comfort, friendliness, glee. I know it's not just a show. 
goodwill, happiness, sympathy, affection. And if we, if we look at the screen and we look at, aside from the fact that the, you know, the font and the colors are prettier on that side, I mean, which, which slide, which side of that slide is how you want your life to look? And if we're honest, as much as we like the idea of revenge, we like the idea of getting justice our way, we really want our lives to look like what's happening over here. And in order to do that, we have to ask God, what are we going to do with this resentment? What are we going to do with that before it becomes something so that our life starts looking like that side there? And the Bible tells us that it starts with our heart because we, we produce, our mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so God says we need to address the heart issue. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And this is another powerful reminder that we, we act because Christ acted. We, we love because he loved. We forgive because he forgives. And because if anyone has a right, a right to resentment or anger, it would be God, but he gave it up out of love for us. And so this verse tells us that we need to get rid of all these things. Do I have any gardeners in here? Anyone who likes to garden? So you know, if you're going to go in your garden and weed, you have to do what? You have to pull the weed up by, by the root. Because as my mom tells me, if you don't get the root, it's, that plant is going to keep growing, right? So God is telling us that we need to literally get to the root of the issue and pull these, this malice, resentment, bitterness out of our lives. And so I want to share a few ways that just like my cell phone and, and ways I've learned to protect my cell phone now, um, I want to share a few do's and don'ts for us when it comes to resentment. And so the first thing I would say is the, we should do, do acknowledge the root desire. Do acknowledge the root desire. And this goes along with that root issue because um, a lot of times we don't even know necessarily where, where that resentment is coming from. And if, if we are honest and we stop to think about it, um, it, it could be, is it a jealousy thing? You know, do we find ourselves resentful towards someone because they have something that we don't have? Or maybe we're resentful, um, again, because of expectations that were not met. Um, and I feel like God wants us to look and, and understand the root of the issue so that we can, so that he can help us remove that. Uh, my friends Roger and Sherry Bertolini, who are um, on the prayer team here, and they do such a great job. One thing that I love about what they do, when, they, when I've prayed with them, um, a lot of times I'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really like upset about this thing or, or frustrated or this thing has come up in my life. And they'll encourage me to stop and say, well, when did that start? Let's ask God to show you when that started in your life. Um, and it's so interesting how when we invite God into the conversation, when we invite him into those big emotions in our lives, that he shows up and he shows us, oh man, this started because of this, this totally random thing you didn't even think was a big deal. And when God shows us those things in our lives, then we're able to pray through them and reconcile them and even go to people and, and ask forgiveness or, or discuss what's going on. Um, and so it's so important that we bring God into it and allow him to show us the root of our resentment. 
And I would even encourage you, if you're going throughout your day, um, whenever we have like a strong emotion, whether that's anger or fear or resentment, um, usually that's a cue for me to stop and be like, okay, God, what, what is this? Where is this coming from? And can you please show me so I can deal with that? And I would, I would challenge you to stop during your week, whether you're driving or just have a minute to yourself and ask God, why am I feeling this? And please help me. And I, I really believe that he will. Um, so we do get to the root of the issue. And the second thing is we do dwell on the positive. Um, I think sometimes it's so easy for us to focus on negative things. Um, and if you, but if you looked at the, the list I shared earlier, it's very hard to have an emotion simultaneously from both sides, right? Like it's very hard for me to feel glee and ill will at the same time, or to be like really affectionate and have malice at the same time. And so I think part of what God wants us to do is to focus on the good things, focus on on gratitude. I know that's what God spoke to me this week even about my own resentment is, Carrie, if you're thankful, if you're thankful for people and situations, it's a lot harder to hold on to those angry things. It's a lot harder to, to dwell on the negative. And Philippians 4, 8 reminds us of this. Um, it's finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I feel like when we do that, when we start to dwell on, on those things that God has called good and pure and right, are, are we start to drift that way. I think it's a natural progression of our hearts that we drift and we, we head towards the good things. So the third thing I would say that comes out of that, and you maybe, maybe already would guess this, we do focus on the positive, but we don't rehearse the negative. Don't rehearse the negative. Again, sometimes rehearsing the negative is, is actually a cue for us. Oh, man, I'm, I'm really thinking a lot. There's, I'm taking a lot of headspace thinking about how this person cut me off in traffic. Maybe I need to let that go. Maybe this is a sign that I have resentment. Um, but I think there's other ways that we can rehearse the negative. And if you're like me, um, sometimes when I am feeling like a victim and I have resentment, I want to find some other people around me who will validate me, who will make me feel better about my thoughts and feelings. And basically, um, I'm not always, in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm going to talk to this person and tell them what happened to me so that I can feel better and so I can resolve it. But if I'm honest, sometimes I'm actually sharing the story, not so that I can be healthy, but so that I can feel better about my sin, basically. So I can feel better about being angry and holding on to that emotion. Um, and this happens so often, right? Um, a, a couple weeks ago, my parents were in town, and I think family time is always a ripe opportunity for resentment. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I'm hoping the laughter is a sign that you can relate. Um, I love my family. I really do. I feel like we have a great relationship. But even so, when you stick, you know, 10, 15 people in close quarters for that long, uh, for any, anything longer than two days, um, it, we're bound to bump into each other and have, you know, disagreements or annoyances or be irritated. And so inevitably, um, at some point during that time, one of my parents said something and it really, really bothered me. And I was so frustrated and my parents left and I was still bothered by this thing. And, you know, so I decided I'm going to talk to my husband about it, which was good, you know, because he helped me process it. And he's, he's kind of um, always my sounding board for those things. 
Um, but, but then I didn't stop there because I thought, you know, I should probably talk about this with a sibling because a sibling will really understand. And by a sibling, I mean all my siblings. So I then had a conversation with each of my siblings about this thing that was bothering me, you know, and I had a conversation with the mailman and the, the store clerk and the, no. Um, but I did, I did talk to my siblings and I got to like the third sibling and he was like, he kind of called me out. He stopped me, and he's like, you know, I, I don't think you realize you're doing this, but... And you know you have that moment sometimes where you didn't realize what you were doing, but all of a sudden, when he challenged me, I was like, no, 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 no. That's, you're not supposed to, to criticize me. This conversation is about how I'm mad at Dad. Like, you can't... You, oh... All right, all right. So then I realized that what I really wanted was validation. And what I really wanted was just to keep being angry. And God was reminding me, and through my brother, thankfully, you got to let it go. You've got, you've got to be honest with yourself. And so what I ended up doing out of that conversation, thankfully, was I had a conversation with my dad. And I was able to talk to him. And we were able to come to a place of peace. And you know what? I have not thought about that thing that I was irritated about since then because there's freedom. There's freedom when I stop rehearsing the negative and let it go. Um, I've been reading this book by Ebony Small um, and she, she says in this book called The Leader in You that one of her favorite mottos is, I am not called to be right, but to be righteous. And in fact, that was gonna be one of my other points that we're not, we're not called to be right, but to be righteous. Because we can be right, we can be, we, we, someone can do something that hurts us and is legitimately a problem, and we can legitimately be victims, and we can still be wrong, right? We can be right and wrong at the same time if we are pursuing anger instead of God's righteousness. And so we have to be honest and ask God, in this situation, am I rehearsing this to find freedom, to find wholeness and peace, or am I rehearsing this so that I can stay angry? Because resentment grows when I'm trying to be right, when I'm sharing my story over and over again to find someone who will agree with me. And the truth is that God is the only one who is fully righteous, who is fully right, and he is the only one who even, again, has the right to resentment, but he gives that up. And this brings me to the last point, which is both a do, um, it's both a preventative and a solution for us. Um, and the slides may be a little off here, but the last one is do trust God to be your solution. Do trust God to be your solution. And last week, if you were here, Tom talked a little bit about this idea about the gospel and how the gospel is powerful and transformative for our lives. And I think we hear that sometimes and we, we think, okay, that sounds really great, but this is one of the really practical and tangible ways that we experience this transformation in our lives. Um, because like, like Leanne shared so vulnerably earlier, there's so many times in our lives where we screw up, right? Where we feel like we're failing, where we feel like, oh man, I just cannot figure out how to fix myself or stop doing this thing. And the truth is that we are not capable of fixing ourselves. I was not capable of fixing that cell phone on my own, and I'm not capable of fixing my life on my own. And if anybody needs Jesus, it is me, because I need someone who is not just going uh, to put a Band-Aid on me and a Band-Aid on my brokenness, but who will actually restore me, who can heal me, who can fix me. And that is who Jesus is, and that is what he does for us. 
And, and to be honest with you, everything else we talked about, without Jesus in our lives, without the Spirit living and moving in us, everything else is just self-help. And it's temporary. It's not going to actually fix us until we, like I did, take, take the phone to the shop to get it fixed, right? And until we go to God and say, I need you. I need you to fill my life and change me. Until we do that, our life is going to stay broken. Jesus is the only one who is capable of holding our resentment. He's the only one who is capable of, of taking our resentment and diffusing it rather than growing it. Right? We, if I put my resentment in anyone else's hands, odds are they, they, might, they might feed it. They might make it grow. But God is the only one who can take our resentment and diffuse it. And he's the only one who can take our brokenness and heal it rather than put a Band-Aid on it. And honestly, I think one of the reasons that we, that we don't want to trust God with our resentment um, it, it, it does, it comes down to a trust issue because there's a part of me that's afraid that if I give up my resentment, then somebody else wins. Then some situation wins, right? Man, I, I feel like I need to hold on to my resentment because, because that's the only way I, can, I feel like I can somehow control the story or control what's happening. And the truth is, when I'm holding my resentment, it's always a problem. And it's only when our resentment is in God's hands we let go of it, that everyone actually wins, that we're healthier and happier, our relationships are better. God is the only one who needs to hold our resentment. And Romans 12, 17 through 21 talks about this. Um, it says, as far as it, or if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love this idea that, you know, God says it's mine to avenge. That it's his to hold on to. It's not ours to hold on to. And in fact, when we do the opposite, when, when instead of, of hurting people or blasting them out in an email, if we instead bless them and do good things for them, that's really, that's this upside down justice that God calls us to. Resentment does not belong in our hands. We need to leave that with God. And so I want to, as I wrap up here, um, I just was thinking about, again, the cell phone and the analogy there and how the cell phone has this case now. And my cell phone, I made sure when I looked it up, I think this is like military grade. I was, I was going to make sure I got a good one. But it has, a, it has a front case, a screen protector, and it has this back case as well. And it reminds me a lot of God, actually. Um, there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about how God goes before us and behind us. There's a, the psalmist says that God knows us completely. He hems us in. Isn't that just a beautiful picture of, of being wrapped in this case, in this protective case like God is for us? Um, Isaiah 58 talks about how when we follow God, when we pursue his righteousness, that, um, that he goes before us and his, his righteousness goes before us and his glory is our rear guard and this idea that he's on both sides of us. And I just want to kind of end with that idea that God is both this restorer for us and he's also this beautiful protector of our hearts and our minds. 
and he blocks us from the enemy's attempts to, to break in and create those cracks and grow them. But also, like Leanne talked about, when we do fail, when we do mess up, he's always there to restore us, to bring us to wholeness again. And if you are someone who's wondered, man, I don't really know what this Christian thing is all about. I don't really know what it would do in my life to, to follow God. I would just encourage you, maybe this is a reminder to you. If you're feeling broken, if you're feeling lost in that, in that loop of failure, man, the presence of Jesus is something that is powerful and will definitely change you. So to recap today, do acknowledge the root issue of your sin. Do dwell on good things. Don't rehearse the negative. We don't want to um, pursue being right. We want to pursue being righteous. And do trust God to be your solution. And as we leave, I just want you to maybe think of one of these areas, one of these places where in your life you say, this is what I need to work on. You know, maybe, maybe for you, it's, um, you, you feel like you're focusing a lot on the negatives. And you just find yourself rehearsing all the angry things in your life, and maybe that's something you need to give to God today. Maybe for you, it's um, just trying to allow um, God to work in your heart and let him move instead of you trying to fix everything yourself. Um, maybe, maybe it's realizing that you are going to other people to justify your resentment and your anger, and what you really need to do is bring that to God. And so again, I would encourage you just to find that one thing and ask God what that is and allow him to help you with that today. Because God wants you to be free. He does not want your headspace wasted on anger and resentment and bitterness. He does not want your life to look like a revenge movie. And he doesn't want it to look like my broken cell phone either. He wants you to trade your resentment for a much better story. And will you let him do that? God, thank you so much for today. Um, even with the rain, I just, I thank you um, just for who you are and the goodness of who you are and that you never, ever fail. And God, I thank you that, um, that you love us so completely and so freely that you would die for us so that we could have life, life in you and freedom from all these things in our life that bring us down and bring brokenness. And I ask God that for me and for every person in this room, that wherever you want to deal with those little cracks, whether it's resentment or other things, God, that you'd show us those things and you would gently take those and clean them for us and let us live in your freedom. Amen.